Welcome to Workproof Your Brain and Body, a podcast about tools, strategies, and ideas you can use as a busy professional to upgrade your health and fitness. Hey, and welcome to another podcast for the Workplace Your Brain and Body. Now, in today's session, I'm going to talk about, I originally wanted to call it what you must consider when training post 40. But as I thought about it, I started to think these are sort of things that you would need to consider before you turn 40. Uh, even around about 36, 37 years old will be the time where you would want to start using these principles uh, essentially to train smarter. And I'll give you a little story that prompted me to start thinking about these things a few years ago. I started training particularly around about 2013 senior partners in law firms. And I had this guy come to me once and he was a senior partner. He had a a family of two children and he came to me because he had a, he, he had this, his knee kept on buckling and he was a small guy he had the usual story he he had played rugby previously in his 20s and he was currently doing boot camp style workouts and he came to me because he had this buckling of the knee and when i was doing the assessment i could see a variety of things that were that were influencing the fact that his knee was buckling each time uh he had these massive thighs, massive quads, he was a small stocky guy and he he would say things like, I just don't understand why it's happening now, it hasn't been a problem in the past but what, I don't know why it's happening now. From my perspective it was clear, I knew from training uh, other people that these things don't have to happen as a result of what I call blunt, th- blunt force trauma you know, it doesn't have to happen whereby you you have a definitive knock on the knee. A lot of times, it's cum- cumulative. It's it's an ongoing wearing something uh, something called creeping, where you, where it's it's creeping into a form of instability. Anyway, this guy, he was doing boot camp. He was in a he was in a job that required a lot of hours. He was, he was, his mindset of training was forged by doing a boot camp, but also a history of rugby. He was very quad dominant, hence why his quads were massive, but his hamstrings were quite weak. And a couple of weeks in, there was one particular session I, I remember, and we were doing things, we were doing, we were doing workouts, we were essentially doing strengthening, using the body as a whole, strengthening, doing a lot of unilateral training, but the thing with unilateral training that can happen sometimes is that the intensity isn't the same as what you would expect from a boot camp, where the, or where the almost like the ideology of boot camp was to have you crawling out of a training session, sweating in your own... <clears throat> you know, crawling in your own sweat. So I saw his face, I caught his face one time when we were doing, I think we were doing step-ups or something, and I could see that he wasn't gelling with his training. It wasn't blending with his idea 
of what training should be. He wanted to be sweating. He wanted to be gasping for oxygen like he was getting with the boot camp. Um, the ironic thing was that he was reporting that the knee was getting much better. Anyway, a couple of months in, he stopped training. I, I, I got an update from him about a year and a half later. And he said that he's gone back to boot camp. Um, and he still gets a niggling knee injuries. Now the thing is, is that when you're in your 20s, you've probably experienced this as much as I did. You you go out, you could sleep for four hours, you go to work or, or university and be coherent enough to get through the day. Now, you can be out of breath going upstairs or starting to make the sound you remember your parents making when they got up and down from the sofa. Things change. Now, now you're here, you want to do something about it. And the popular route, the popular route is to, you know, wipe off the cobwebs on your trainers and go out running. And I can understand that. I can understand why running is almost like the number one choice of why what people will do when they want to get back to fitness. It has a low barrier to entry. You know, you just go out and start running. And it's cheap. It's, well, it's free for a lot of times when you just go outside and, and start running. So running is a number one choice. And there's great things like park run where there's a real community aspect to it. So running tends to be the popular thing. Now, whilst running is is good for the cardio, good for the um, lung capacity, it doesn't allow... Um, it doesn't help with all the things that can occur in the modern from the, that occur from the modern workplace. You know, sitting down, the long hours, hunched over, require a different type of training or or an additional training to your standard running. And also, if you're like this guy where it's like a, like a constant boot camp of fully intense, that can also pose problems. You also have this other issue where Instagram is filled with young people with their tops off showing the efforts of the gym. And many things contribute to this. So their hormones are right to ripe for the experience to the full effect of the gym. They know how to filter their photographs for one, for better effect, and they have little to no other responsibilities. As you get to 36, 37, and beyond to four, in the 40s, you have responsibilities. And this needs to be taken in consideration when looking at your training. Now, you can still get great effects from improving your health and fitness. If you're honest, you would say that you would want to start improving your health and fitness from your 20s you know kind of like when, what they say when talking about a savings account where they say the best time to start saving is is in the 20s because of compound interest by the time you get into your 50s your 60s you've got a hefty sum in that savings account but you know sometimes that doesn't happen the next the next best time is now and what we're going to look at is some of the principles that you want to be looking at to um, train smart, which enables you to work smart. Remember, one of the big principles of workplacing 
work-proofing your brain and body is the ability for your health and your career to coexist. So it doesn't become a zero-sum game where you're where you're taking care of your family, your focus on developing your career and your and your health uh, gets pushed to the wayside. Oh, I'll deal with it later. We want to make sure that they can coexist, and that requires systems have to be in place, but also the level, the hierarchy of importance for your health has to be pushed up, not just through just from naysay of saying, oh yeah, I, I should take care of my health, but actually developing systems and importance so it's high on your priorities on a daily and weekly basis. And if you take that on board now, you're actually to be ahead of the curve. When you consider that in the UK, we're the third most overweight nation in Europe, and we have the third highest levels of physical inactivity compared to the European, the rest of the Europe, North Africa, and the Middle Eastern countries. You know, when you if you train smart, you'll be able you'll be ahead of the curve in that in in that group. So, I'm going to talk about five factors for you to consider in order for you to train smart and that allow you to be able to work smart. So the first one is schedule. Now, the common thing that happens when people, and let's take weight loss, for example, common thing that happens is that you want to lose weight. You hear about a plan from someone else in the office or maybe a friend and you go, well, it's worked for them. I'll do that as well. Now, what if that is something like, oh, you got to do six meals a day and you're working 12, 14 hours. You're essentially, you've got no time in the morning. Your weekends are filled by uh, by kids' parties or something like that. So the ability to batch cook or or fully prep for six meals a day is nigh on impossible. And what will likely happen is that the momentum will carry you forward that, that will allow you to do it, do it for a good couple of weeks. And it will start falling by the wayside. You'll notch that as another failure. And it will, it will lessen the chances of you finding a good plan in the future. You need to take into consideration the other priorities you have in life as well. Especially now, with your career and probably family, all these other responsibilities. Before you start anything, look at what your schedule is like. If you, for example, have no time in the morning at all, something you might consider is things like two meals a day. Something you might consider is fasting until the afternoon. If you have, if you have, um, a, you want to start this in a particular time where you are busy, it might be worth considering focusing on just doing two workouts a week, just two and then developing it from there. If you're in a period of time where you've got more time on your hands, add to it. Add to it knowing that you have a perfect opportunity to develop strong habits so that when you do become busier, you can start to look at how can I adjust what I'm already doing um, to make it more sustainable. If you travel a lot, think about what can I do, what can I, um, do that is easy for me to carry on when I'm traveling. This, this planning forward, 
setting things up before you start is a great way of ensuring that you're going to continue. Remember, the key thing is what you're going to do that can be consistent enough for it to become a habit. That's the key question you've got to ask before starting anything related to improving your health and fitness. The second one is sleep. Now, sleep, poor sleep, poor sleep quality is kryptonite for your energy levels. It is also a strong influencer to future poor health as well. They have found that as much as an hour less a night of sleep has shown to compromise your attention, your focus, and decision-making abilities. Poor sleep is also correlated with weight gain. So all of these things are, are key factors that are going to create the environment to determine whether you are going to do actions like eating a certain way or doing exercise. If you have poor focus and your attention's all over the place, your energy levels are low, there's no chance that you're going to do anything that is going to, uh, that is new, that's not habitual yet, or is going to um, add towards your health and fitness. You're going to have to rely on strong grit if you're knackered to, to do anything related to health and fitness that you are not used to doing. And if you have young children, that's even more of a factor. Sleep is going to get sacrificed. It just does. It's just going to happen. If possible, look at the massive benefits of daytime naps. However, no more than 30 minutes at a time. 30 minutes beyond, it starts to get into deep sleep so you'll wake up groggy. A power nap, or cat naps as sometimes people call it, has to be lower than 30 minutes to recharge your energy levels but not get into a level of sleep that you're used to in the evening. So sleep is an, is an important factor to when considering training post 36 essentially. The next one is stress. If sleep is kryptonite for your energy levels, stress is like a continual punch in the face for your health. Now prolonged stress has long been linked to a whole host of conditions including obesity, heart disease, and strokes. And while see, some see uh, exercise as a great stress reliever, which for a large part it is, it's also worth considering that, that exercise is a stressor on the body. So for a large part of it, you need to think about recovery period as well. So because if you're stressed at work or stressed at home and then do um, exercise, especially for that guy we were talking about at the, at the early part of the podcast where he was doing boot camps where it's a large stress at high intensity, real hard on the lungs, real hard on the muscle, and then you're doing a stressful job, that, that is a one route to burnout. So when considering your stress levels, think about if you're stressed, if you're in a, a period of, long, uh, of high stress, think about exercise as more low intensity. Maybe think about mobility more. But to absolutely nail it in the gym to try uh, for exercise whilst high stress, you're going to get even more tired. And then we run into the root of, of what we're talking about with sleep. So think about that. Think about your stress levels. 
are you dealing with stress in the most effective way? Maybe that is something that you need to look at first before for creating a whole training plan around, um, around getting fitter and healthier. The next thing is what I call the four S's of exercise. Now, as I talked about before, running is a great form of exercise, great for your cardiovascular health. A case in point, though, of why it's not necessarily solely sufficient for your training is that the biggest cause of work, well, one of the biggest causes of workplace sickness is musculoskeletal, musculoskeletal um, conditions, namely joint pain, muscular and joint pain. So while running can go some way to improve this, uh, it will not be enough to condition your body to mitigate the effects of workplace conditions. So what do you do? What do you add to that? Well, it's four factors that you need to have in place. You need to have in place strength training, which is the ability to lift a load, progressively increasing the weight over time. So examples of this will be squats, deadlifts, press-ups, essentially anything that you can get your um, have access to. And if that's just your body weight, that's just your body weight. There's many ways that you can leverage your body weight for progressive um, strength, gain, strength gains. The next one is stability training. And this is the ability to protect your spine whilst your extremities move. And this can include wood chops and paloff press. They do not include sit-ups though. And, and there's many reasons for that. But if you're unsure about stability training, send me an email and I can tell you more about that. But things like wood chops, paloff press, a whole host of things that, that will improve your stability. Um, also breathing training as well um, will go a long way to enhancing your training effects. The next is suppleness. And that's the ability to take a joint through a sustained range of motion, either dynamically or statically. And these will include leg swings and hip circles. Now, mobility is a really important thing because we're in a position that's quite static during the day. So the ability to move, take this through a range of motion is really important. And then the final one is sprint. And this is the ability to apply a force at a speed for a short period of time. And this can include uh, 10 second sprints. It can, uh, it can include um, all out power on a rowing machine. It can include box jumps. These, the sprint training is a really important thing for increasing power, increasing your ability for your muscles to dynamically move in a, in a ferocious way. And these four things, when you include them in your training plan, you can start to see how much variety that you can have, even when you have no access to a gym, how much variety that you can have in your training plan that provides so much more of a benefit than just, say, running. And the final principle is eating for health predominantly. Now, the 80-20 rule has been overused so much, you may start to question its legitimacy. But in terms of a simple heuristic, it's still a winner. It's still something to really regard as a, as a rule of thumb. So that if 80% of your time, which if you take, for example, three meals a day, 
that works out as 17 of your 21 weekly meals. You're eating foods that are full of nutrients, loaded with color from fruit and veg, combined with a healthy array of proteins, carbohydrates, and natural fats. Once you've got that in place, then 20% of the time, you can eat essentially what you want, what you would call the, you know, the, the pleasure foods. That, I'm not saying that you can't get pleasure from eating the other stuff, but you know, the, the predominantly what people consider the pleasure, the, the, the sweets, the, the processed foods. So, and you can have that 20% of the time, ensuring that on the whole, you're not in a calorie surplus. One of the large factors of health is to maintain a consistent zone of weight that's within a healthy BMI and also a healthy waist to hip ratio. And I'll go more into that over the course of other podcasts. But when you're eating for health predominantly and you're using the other uh, principles, you're scheduling uh, a schedule, uh, uh, you're scheduling a training regime that fits within all your other priorities of life. You're getting whole. You're getting a good quality sleep every single night. Your stress levels are, are managed or low at best, and you have those four S's of exercise: strength training, stability training, suppleness, and sprint. And you're eating for health predominantly. You are ahead of the curve when it comes to um, living the best way post forty or even thirty six onwards. When you have those principles in place, you'll start to be able to have a great foundation of everyday health, and then you can work towards working smart, and where where uh, health and work can coexist. And you'll find that this is an, a great insurance policy for health later on in your life ongoing. So that concludes this podcast, and I hope to see you in the next podcast where we talk more about how you can work-proof your brain and body. So I'll see you there for the next one.